This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. In the heart of New Jersey lies a place that gives you chills just thinking about it. The Pine Barrens. It's not your typical forest. Imagine a spooky landscape with endless pine trees, creepy trails, and lonely swamps. When the moonlight sneaks through the branches, it's like a scene from a ghost story where shadows come alive and the air feels heavy with old secrets. As you wander deeper into the barrens, you start feeling alone surrounded only by the rustling leaves and far-off animal sounds. It's a place where time seems to stand still, and the stories of wandering ghosts and strange lights feel very real. The twisted trees stand like guardians, sharing tales of a hidden world. In the Pine Barrens, things get strange, and the line between what's normal and what's not starts to blur just like the stories of ghosts that are said to wander under the moonlit sky. Welcome to Destination Terror, your passport to the scariest places in the world. From haunted hotels to locations of unexplained creature sightings. And now, places that we only visit in our imagination. We will travel to places that will provide excitement, adventure, and horror. Today we're visiting the New Jersey Pine Barrens, where you will find tales of wandering spirits, phantom lights, and encounters with supernatural beings. So if you're into travel and all things scary, listen close, and you might just discover your next exciting adventure destination, but hopefully not your final destination. Destination Terror is an EerieCast original podcast hosted by me, Carmen Carrion. If you would like to send us a suggestion or submit a story with your own experience, you can email them to carmencarrion at gmail.com or follow me on Twitter at Carmen Carrion. If you enjoy the show, please follow and rate Destination Terror on Spotify and Apple Podcasts to help us grow. Also, check out eeriecast.com for more scary podcasts, such as Freaky Folklore, the podcast where together we explore horrifying legends across the world and tell terrifying tales of monsters both ancient and modern. Emery! I could hear my mother calling me from downstairs. Her voice sounded a little concerned. I had been holed up in my room all day sulking, so her concern was understandable. 
My parents dropped a bomb on us this morning at breakfast that neither I nor my brothers welcomed. We're moving, they had said, and I choked on my oatmeal. My brothers Jake and Matt just stared at them with confused looks on their faces. Seriously? asked Jake. Yes, we know it's sudden, but your mom and I have put a lot of thought into this, and we've decided that it's what's best. Dad had said far too confidently, or was that doubt? And he's trying to convince himself it's the right decision. They went on to explain to us that some distant aunt or cousin of my mother's had died, and my mother was the only living relative to leave her inheritance to. That just sounded far too weird for me to even wrap my head around, considering my mother had been adopted and never knew anything about her biological family. How would they even know she existed? Don't you think this is weird, though? Are we really going to move into an old dead person's house? An old, strange dead person's house? I asked. Did she die in the house? That would be creepy, Jake said. Maybe she'll be a ghost and we can all meet her, Matt exclaimed. Oh, for the love of... Mom raised her voice and Dad stared us all down. Mom let out an exasperated breath. I know this will be a huge change for you guys, but your dad and I have made a decision. We're moving in three weeks to New Jersey. I was still sulking in my room from that conversation come dinner time. We were in the middle of summer break, which meant I would have to spend my senior year around strangers. Behaving like a bratty teenager isn't usually my way of dealing with things, but today it is. I stepped out into the hall and made eye contact with my mom. She had made it halfway up the stairs at that point. She looked at me with those understanding eyes that always melt my attitude. I sighed, because they worked. It'll be okay, Emily. It's just another adventure. She gave me a big hug, and I gave in. Those three weeks passed in a complete blur, saying goodbye to my friends and visiting all my favorite hangout places was bittersweet. I had my license, but we were moving over 800 miles away. It wasn't like a simple weekend trip to visit. It took us two solid days of driving in a small caravan with dad in the moving truck, mom and my brothers in her SUV and me at the back in Dad's truck with his trailer and more stuff. It was getting later in the afternoon on the second day when Dad turned onto a small two-lane rural highway. The trees weren't all that tall, but they made a small tunnel over the road. It was blocking out most of the light, and it honestly started to look a bit creepy. Then we turned into a small hole cut out of the trees, barely big enough for the U-Haul to fit through. The driveway was pretty long and tree-lined all the way until it opened up to a big white house. And holy crap, it was huge. We had all unloaded and approached the front steps of this mansion. Okay, it probably wasn't a mansion, but it wasn't at all what I'd been expecting. It was similar to a big farmhouse with porches that were wrapped all the way around it. 
We exchanged glances back and forth, and nobody said anything for a long minute until Mom spoke. Wow. Guys, welcome home. Mom, this place looks like the Hewitt house, I said, knowing I shouldn't. Her face paled, and she said in a flustered tone, Did you seriously just compare our house to the Chainsaw Massacre house, Emery? My dad did everything he could not to laugh, but it was too late. We were all laughing. I hate to agree with the kids on this one, honey, but it is a bit creepy. But it's also beautiful. Dad tried to smooth things over with humor, but just made it worse. Matt tapped Dad on the shoulder. Just don't, Dad. The house was actually very beautiful, but it hadn't been cared for in a while, and it was showing signs of neglect, which just added to the creepy factor. They didn't give us any more time to linger and started barking orders. Mom wanted to do a walkthrough of the whole house to get an idea of where to start unloading everything. The front steps groaned just a little too loud underfoot, but I continued on. Dad swung open the front door and a dusty breeze washed over us, an unusually cold breeze. Matt and I made eye contact. He raised his arms, wiggled his fingers, and made a groaning monster sound. I just shoved him into Jake and walked in through the front door. The house was still fully furnished, but everything was covered in blankets and sheets. There were even sheets covering the pictures on the walls. I grabbed Jake's arm and dragged him unwillingly up the stairs. There was no way I'd be going up there alone. I found a light switch at the top of the landing and flipped it on. To the left and the right were long hallways with bookshelves full of old books and reading chairs with tables and lamps. I was confident that this is exactly the kind of place horror films take place. We made our way from room to room turning on the lights and taking the coverings off some of the furniture. Eight rooms upstairs in total. I was surprised by the sheer size of this house. My brothers were bantering back and forth about which rooms they wanted. I personally picked the one at the end of the hallway. It had its own bathroom, a walk-in closet, and a fireplace. And it even had a small chandelier hanging over the bed. I had pulled all the coverings off the furniture in the room and was sitting in an armchair when the books on the shelf in the hall caught my eye. In big, bold letters down the spine of the book, it said, Leads. The book was very large and heavy, not to mention it looked older than the house. I laid it on the small table that had been next to the shelf and flipped it open. The pages were old and looked as if they might crumble if I flipped it too hard. The book had been written by hand, and the ink was fading. It had the ragged appearance of a grimoire. It was quite beautiful and incredibly fascinating. I turned to the next page, and it was adorned with the most intricate drawing of a family tree. The Leeds family tree, it was labeled. I skimmed over the tree, and sure enough, I found my mother's name at the bottom. I didn't really know any of my mother's family, so I didn't recognize any of the other names. 
but I figured my mother would like to see it. I picked up the book, but was halted dead in my tracks by the most horrific scream coming from downstairs. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. What is horror to you? Monsters? Murder? Mystery? Well, if human monsters are your thing, June's Journey is the game for you, albeit in a more lighthearted tone. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer. Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor. Or chat and play with or against other players too in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play. With my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. To serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come, find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu. The New Jersey Pine Barrens, also known as the Pinelands, is a unique and ecologically diverse region located in the southern part of the state of New Jersey in the United States. Covering approximately 1.1 million acres, the Pine Barrens is characterized by its sandy soil, extensive pine forests, a network of rivers and wetlands, and the presence of many unexplainable legends. The area is renowned for its ecological significance, cultural history, and the challenges it has faced in terms of conservation and development. The geological history of the Pine Barrens dates back millions of years. The region's sandy soil is a result of ancient coastal sand dunes that formed during the Cretaceous period, 66 to 145 million years ago. The ancient dunes were formed by wind, transporting the sand from the coast. Over time, vegetation, including pitch pine and scrub oak, colonized the area, adapting to the acidic, nutrient-poor soil. The unique combination of geology and ecology created the distinct landscape that we see today. Though the pine lands weren't ideal for plant life, it adapted much like the early settlers. Before European colonization, the pine lands were home to the Lenape indigenous American tribe. The Lenape utilized the land's resources for hunting, fishing, and gathering. Evidence of their presence, including artifacts and burial grounds, can still be found in some parts of the region. The indigenous American presence in the Pine Barrens dates back thousands of years. 
representing a rich and enduring connection between indigenous peoples and the region's unique landscape. The primary indigenous American inhabitants of the Pine Barrens were the Lenape, who occupied a vast territory along the Atlantic coast and Delaware River, including what is now New Jersey. The Lenape, also known as the Delaware Indians, were a group of Algonquian-speaking tribes with a matrilineal social structure. They established seasonal camps and settlements within the Pine Barrens, taking advantage of the area's abundant natural resources. The dense pine forests provided materials for constructing shelters and canoes, while the rivers and streams offered fish and other aquatic resources. The Lenape also engaged in hunting, gathering nuts and berries, and cultivating small plots of corn, beans, and squash. The Lenape maintained a deep spiritual connection to the land, viewing nature as sacred and believing in the presence of spirits in various elements of the environment. The Pine Barrens, with its diverse ecosystems, likely held significant spiritual importance to the Lenape. Rituals, ceremonies, and storytelling played crucial roles in passing down cultural traditions and maintaining a harmonious relationship with the natural world. With the arrival of European settlers in the 17th century, the Lenape way of life began to undergo profound changes. The Europeans introduced new technologies, trade goods, and diseases, significantly impacting the indigenous population. The Lenape and the Pine Barrens faced displacement and the disruption of their traditional subsistent patterns as European settlers claimed more land for agriculture and other purposes. Throughout the 18th century, the Lenape experienced forced relocations and encroachments on their ancestral lands. The signing of treaties, such as the Walking Purchase of 1737, further diminished Lenape territory, pushing them westward. Many Lenape communities were displaced, and their traditional way of life ended as European colonization continued. Despite the challenges and disruptions, some Lenape communities managed to adapt to the changing circumstances. Some individuals and families sought refuge in more remote areas like the Pine Barrens, allowing them to maintain elements of their cultural heritage. Over time, however, the Lenape presence in the Pine Barrens diminished as the region became increasingly settled by European colonists. In recent decades, there has been a revival of interest in indigenous American culture and heritage, including efforts to preserve and revitalize Lenape traditions. Organizations and initiatives have worked to promote awareness of the Lenape people's history and contributions. Today, while the original inhabitants have largely been displaced, their cultural contributions persist in the landscape and stories of the Pine Barrens, serving as a reminder of the enduring connection between indigenous peoples and the natural world. During the colonial period, European settlers initially found the sandy soils of the Pine Barrens unsuitable for traditional agriculture. As a result, the area remained sparsely populated compared to other parts of the colony. Instead, settlers turned to industries like iron production, utilizing the abundant timber and bog iron ore found in the region. The force of Mother Nature and the human inhabitants 
weren't the only things to shape the Pinelands. In the heart of the New Jersey Pine Barrens, a place steeped in mystery and ancient tales, lies a secluded and mysterious oasis known as the Blue Hole. This natural wonder, nestled amidst the dense forest and whispering pines, has become the focal point of numerous legends that echo through the ages, captivating the imaginations of locals and drawing in those who seek the mystique of the unknown. The Blue Hole is a pristine and seemingly bottomless pond, its waters reflecting the deep blue of the sky above, surrounded by towering pine trees and embraced by the serenity of the Pine Barrens. This secluded spot exudes an aura of tranquility, yet it's not only the scenic beauty that defines the Blue Hole, it's the legends that have woven themselves into the fabric of its existence. Foremost among the tales that dance around the Blue Hole is that of the Blue Hole Mermaid. According to local lore, this mystical mermaid is said to inhabit the depths of the pond, her ethereal presence veiled in mystery. Descriptions vary, but common threads emerge. Long flowing hair, luminescent eyes, and a hauntingly beautiful voice that echoes through the tranquil surroundings. The Blue Hole Mermaid is both a guide and a temptress, with stories telling of her benevolence and leading lost travelers safely through the winding trails of the Pine Barrens. However, cautionary whispers also warn that those who become too enchanted by her allure may find themselves lured into the waters, where the pond conceals secrets unknown to mortal eyes. Beyond the mermaid's realm, other legends surround the Blue Hole, suggesting that it may be a portal to other dimensions or a gateway to the spirit world. Some locals claim to have witnessed strange phenomena, from unexplained lights dancing across the water's surface to mysterious sounds emanating from the depths. The Blue Hole, while a source of fascination, is also regarded with a degree of caution. Legends warn that those who approach its waters should do so with respect and reverence. It's said that disturbing the serenity of the Blue Hull may incur the wrath of unseen forces and that those who seek its secrets must tread carefully. While the Blue Hull is intriguing and has been known to draw in many over the years, the Pine Barrens is most famously known for a different sinister inhabitant, the Jersey Devil. The Jersey Devil stands as an ominous anomaly, a demonic creation birthed by the devil through a human mother. Its haunting presence has loomed over the Pine Barrens of New Jersey for over two centuries, shrouded in a grotesque form that embodies terror and fascination. Despite its willowy stature, the creature possesses a formidable physique, adorned in black fur from its elongated neck to its cloven hooves. A hideous head, amalgamating the worst features of a horse, goat, and a dog, crowns its neck, accompanied by burning red eyes that gleam ominously in the darkness. The demonic entity exhibits an unsettling duality in its movements, at times walking upright and at others on all fours, resembling a macabre fusion of a monkey and a dog. Two relatively short but powerful arms, armed with sharp claws, 
accompany its grotesque form. With leathery bat-like wings spanning approximately two feet, tipped with talons, the Jersey Devil takes to the night sky, surrounded by a sinister yellow aura, emitting a mournful yet terrifying cry. Its supernatural attributes include invulnerability to harm, the ability to fly regardless of its short wingspan, and the use of its wings as deadly weapons to slice through trees. The creature's arsenal of supernatural powers extends further. Invisibility, camouflage akin to a chameleon, and foul-smelling breath with the capacity to curdle milk and decimate entire fish populations. The devil can even breathe fire employing it as a weapon against adversaries and exuding an evil ambience that befalls those who witness its presence. Rumors persist of additional undiscovered powers, challenging skeptics who doubt the creature's supernatural essence. Although seemingly immune to most weapons, the Jersey Devil may harbor vulnerability to holy symbols, presenting a potential means of defense. The Pine Barrens, with their vast, dark woods, harbor the legendary resident that has captivated imaginations for over 265 years. A tale rooted in the year 1735 tells of Mrs. Leeds of Smithville, pregnant with her 13th child and her subsequent curse during a stormy night, birthing the malevolent entity that would become the Jersey Devil. Variations in the legend include disputes over the mother's identity, ranging from Mrs. Leeds to Mrs. Shrouds, with theories suggesting the Jersey Devil's illegitimate birth cursed by townspeople. The father's identity is also debated, with some proposing a more supernatural origin, either from Satan himself, or as a result of a gypsy curse, or involvement in witchcraft. Numerous accounts detail the gruesome events of the devil's birth, including the transformation into a demonic creature, the consumption of siblings, and a dramatic escape into the night sky. The ensuing years saw the Pine Barrens terrorized by sightings of the winged serpent-like creature, prompting a bold clergyman's exorcism in 1740 that brought temporary relief. The legend persists, passed down through generations with a forewarning that the devil's banishment would last a mere century, beckoning its return a century later. In the 1840s, when the malevolent entity resurfaced, casting a renewed shadow of fear and fascination over New Jersey. As the 1840s dawned, the residents of the Pine Barrens found themselves once again ensnared in the chilling embrace of the legendary creature. The years of relative peace following the bold clergyman's exorcism had bred a sense of cautious relief, but the warning of a mere century of banishment proved prophetic. Sightings of the Jersey Devil emerged with an unsettling frequency, shattering the belief that the creature had been banished forever. The mysterious winged serpent-like being, seemingly unaffected by human presence, prowled the dark woods, inducing terror among those who encountered its grotesque form. The resurfacing of the Jersey Devil sparked a renewed fervor in the retelling of the legend, with locals exchanging chilling accounts of sightings and encounters. The creature's mournful yet terrifying cry echoed through the Pine Barrens, 
rekindling the spine-chilling stories passed down through generations. Rumors and theories concerning the devil's return proliferated. Some believed it to be a harbinger of ill fortune, a supernatural force wreaking havoc upon those unfortunate enough to cross its path. Others speculated on the reasons behind its resurgence, from the reawakening of ancient curses to the fulfillment of prophecies. The Pine Barrens once again enveloped in an eerie atmosphere, became a focal point for those curious or daring enough to seek out the legendary creature. Local communities found themselves on edge, with a mix of fear and anticipation, as the Jersey Devil's presence loomed over their daily lives. Attempts to quell the resurgence of the legend proved futile, as the creature continued to defy explanation and evade capture. Whether it be flying through the night sky with its talon-tipped wings, or prowling silently on the ground, the Jersey Devil seemed to mock the attempts of those who sought to unravel its mysteries. The resurfacing of the Jersey Devil in the 1840s marked a chilling chapter in the ongoing saga of this legendary creature. The fearsome return of the demonic entity rekindled the age-old debate of its supernatural origins and capabilities. The legend, far from fading into history, gained new life, leaving the residents of the Pine Barrens to grapple once again with the unsettling reality that the Jersey Devil, with all its malevolence, was very much a part of their world. Today, the Pine Barrens offer a range of recreational opportunities. Visitors can explore the vast network of hiking and biking trails, paddle along scenic rivers, and appreciate the unique flora and fauna. The area's natural beauty has made it a popular destination for nature enthusiasts, photographers, and those seeking a peaceful retreat, or even those seeking something a little more sinister. I broke into a run, taking the stairs two at a time. I came to a sliding stop in the kitchen where my mother stood, still covering her mouth with a tear running down her face. What happened? Are you okay? Where's dad? I asked, out of breath and half scared to death. My brothers entered the room in the same manner I had. About that time, dad walked in through the front door. He explained to my mother that he had walked all the way around the house, and no one was out there. There's no way, she said with a shaky voice. I know what I saw. There was something watching us through the window, she continued. I have half a mind to get back in the car and leave right now. Come on, honey. It's okay. I promise. Whatever was out there is gone now. It was probably just a curious critter. The house has been abandoned for a while. It's possible we disturbed a few things when we showed up. Whatever, Mom said. You could tell she was still very shaken. She explained that she was going through the cabinets. And when she turned around, there was a creature that looked kind of like a goat. But she swore it had wings and its eyes glowed. She said it was looking in the window at her, and she ultimately decided to blame us for calling the house scary and freaking her out. 
We all jumped. Dad threw his hands up in the air and demanded we all calm down. He walked over and opened the front door. Dad had ordered pizza. It was just the delivery driver. It would be safe to assume that we were all out of our minds and on edge. We weren't usually rattled this easily, but this place and all the changes were getting to us all. Dad dropped the pizza on the table and made us all sit, eat, and get ourselves together. The pizza worked. We were cleaning up from dinner when I remembered the book that I had brought down and abandoned on the counter when I had entered the kitchen. Mom, I found something. I found a book upstairs that has a family tree in it. Your family tree. I said, showing her the book. Her jaw dropped and the shocked look returned to her face. At least I think that's what it is, I said. I opened it to the page with the tree and pointed to her name. There was a whole ocean of emotions coming from her. She'd never even known her biological mother's name and never figured she would, let alone her whole family's names. I expected she would like it. I hadn't expected her to cry. It took several days to have some of the old furniture moved out of the house and into the barn. Mom went through everything with a fine-toothed comb. She didn't want to miss anything that she thought might connect her to her past. The last few days had been exhausting. I found Mom passed out on the couch in the living room. Dad and my brothers had run into town to pick up a few things for dinner. The house was quiet. Too quiet. The old book I had found was on the table next to Mom. It looked like she had been reading it again. I scooped it up and headed back upstairs to my room, skimming through the pages and the names. At the very top of the tree was Deborah Leeds. It was amazing to see how many people came from just one union. It appeared that the book might have actually belonged to Deborah. It had what appeared to be journal entries from her in the front. There were sketches of all twelve of her children, with their names under them, and little details about each child. It reminded me of the baby books my mother kept for me and my brothers. This was incredible. There's no way a book this old could still be in this kind of shape. The next few pages were strange, and part of them were written in a completely different language, or just illegible. I flipped to the next page and gasped. I almost dropped the book in the process. There was a sketch of a horrifying creature. It had the head of a goat and bat-like wings and two long legs with what looked to be hooves and two short arms that ended in claws. Was this what Mom had seen a few days ago? It's too similar to what she described to be a coincidence. There was no way. I started flipping frantically through the pages, looking for more information on it. But I couldn't find anything. So I pulled up my phone and searched for New Jersey Creature with Wings. The first thing that popped up shocked me. It was a photo, so similar to the sketch in the book. I spent the next hour reading all about this creature. It looked like my mother's great, 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 great whatever had created this demon, and it wanted to kill the whole family. I sat back on my bed with a huff and laughed, thinking to myself, great, 
we moved 800 miles away from home to a haunted house and have found a twisted family history with a monster who wants us all dead. I returned to the book out of pure curiosity. I realized the handwriting had changed drastically, like another family member had picked up where the last one had left off, and it looked like that throughout the book. The family had actually been keeping this journal for hundreds of years. But the most unsettling part was in every handwriting and every generation they mentioned the creature. They mentioned losing children or a spouse to the demon. I flipped all the way to the end to find the last entry, the last handwriting, and there in the back of the book was an envelope taped to it, with my mother's name written on the front. I knew I should let her open it, but I didn't want to wake her, and I had to know. I carefully opened the letter and started to read. My dear baby girl, I am sorry I gave you away. I just wanted to protect you from him. Mom A cold chill ran down my spine. Her mother actually thought this creature was real and gave her a way to protect her. I jumped to my feet, eager to share this letter with my mother. I hurried down the hall to the top of the stairs. I had been so entranced by it all that I barely noticed the front door open. I brushed it aside thinking that my dad and brothers had made it back. But that thought was quickly squashed when I rounded the corner to the living room to find the most horrific sight I had ever seen. Blood. And it was everywhere. Where my mother had been napping so peacefully was now drenched in blood. My mother had been mutilated. What was left of her still remained on the couch, and a blood-soaked figure moved in my direction. The scream was caught in my throat, and my brain was unable to separate what I was seeing in order for me to react. The thing bared its teeth at me and screamed, the loudest sound I had ever heard. It felt as if my ears were bleeding. The sound felt like a physical shove that propelled me into motion. I turned and ran. I headed out the open front door and down the driveway. I only dared to look over my shoulder one time, and I saw it, following me. I turned and headed down the driveway in a mad dash. That's when I saw the headlights of my dad's truck, and the scream that had been caught in my throat escaped. Thank you for joining us on our terrifying journey to the New Jersey Pine Barrens. Tune in next week as we discuss another terrific location. I'm Carmen Carrion. Remember, you can send me suggestions and stories of haunted places to my email, carmencarrion at gmail.com, or follow me on Twitter at carmencarrion. Go to eeriecast.com to find other terrifying podcasts such as Freaky Folklore, hosted by me, Carmen Carrion. Until next time, stay safe out there. Until I see you at our next destination.
Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.